everyone, and thank you for listening to Piano Whisperer. On this podcast, we'll be exploring the surprisingly vast world of pianos and pianists. So please join us as we interview all kinds of interesting and talented people, as well as provide behind-the-scenes encounters with all things piano. And now, with our host and savvy piano guide, Ben Klinger. Thank you very much for tuning in to Piano Whisperer today. I am so fortunate and blessed to have my friend and very, very experienced songwriter and songwriter teacher, Shane Adams. Shane, <laughs> welcome to Piano Whisperer. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. I'm, I'm thrilled to be on your podcast. Thank you. You are welcome. It is my pleasure entirely. So you have done so much in the industry. I'm going to open by reading your bio, and here it goes. Shane Adams, president of Artist Accelerator, is a twice Grammy-nominated music educator, non-self-nominated, we might add, award-winning producer and songwriter and author. Shane is a founding instructor for Berkeley Online, where he has taught lyric writing and songwriting to thousands of students since 2003. Shane is a featured songwriter and instructor for the Taylor Swift Education Center at the Country Music Hall of Fame and Museum, where he received their top 10 Hitmaker Award for 2014. He co-developed their current Words and Music and Songwriting 101 outreach programs, which have enabled over 250,000 and counting American students to learn to write songs. Shane has served on the Hall of Fame's Museum Expansion Advisory Board and has facilitated other artistic community programs such as Poetry in Motion, co-sponsored by the Nashville Arts Commission and the NCAA Women's Final Four. In 2017, Shane received the Trajectory Award from Music Business College at Anahuac University. He says it's the equivalent of the Mexican Harvard <laughs> for his international leadership in the evolution of the music industry in the digital era. Chowan University named him the 2013 Music Industry Professional of the Year, and in 2005, Shane earned the Tennessee Songwriter Association International's highest honor, the Hallman Award for Outstanding Contributions to the Songwriting Community. As a producer and composer, Shane has scored several independent film projects, including Fortune Cookie, featured at both the Sundance and Hollywood Film Festivals, Family Alliance, and American Mobster. Shane is currently the featured composer for Fjord Films and writes the Warner Chappelle production music. Shane is recognized internationally as a groundbreaking songwriter, lecturer, and music production panelist. He is a featured contributor to iSing Magazine. Success for your songs and has been a guest on a myriad of blogs and podcasts. Shane is author of the best-selling The Singer-Songwriter's Guide to Recording in the Home Studio. Shane's current projects include developing two songwriting applications for the Mac OS platform and producing and co-hosting the songwriting podcast Studio Soundtrack available on iTunes. <laughs> wow, I, I, sound, I sound pretty important on the page. You sure do. You've, <laughs> just think about how your, how your career path has, has developed. And so that, that's kind of where I want to start out. One of my missions here for Piano Whisperer is to inspire people. Now, I've had the benefit of knowing you for decades, but I'd love you to, to tell me about your career tra trajectory, all that you have done, because it started in music lessons. I'd love you actually to back up and tell us from your early piano teacher how that went, how that led to Berkeley, 
how that led to meeting people and all of your different jobs along the way. <laughs> well, I, uh, again, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, I just, I'm grateful and, and, and humbled and happy to be here. I think you're referring to a story I've told you in the past about uh, my first piano teacher when I was seven or eight years old. Her name was Mrs. Dean, and I, I lovingly, or not lovingly, mean Mrs. Dean, who like hated my guts for some reason. <laughs> you know, I, I think I was a rambunctious, stinky, uh, sweaty uh, seven-year-old, eight-year-old boy who wouldn't practice the piano. But I had, a, I had a real ear for music. My older sisters also took from me, Mrs. Dean, and they practiced. But I had a knack for it. But, but she was of the old school of slapping your knuckles with a ruler, you know, whenever you made a mistake, you know, yes, slap your back. Like there's a lot of slapping involved in her pedagogy. And I, I'm, I'm surprised that, like, I still wanted to do music after her. It was just, it was terrible, but, but, but I love music. And, and even from a young age, I knew I wanted to be a, a songwriter and probably a musician. I mean, I kind of didn't know what that was. Fortunately, in my high school years, I was blessed with a phenomenal music teacher, choir director named Robert Ball, who's one of the most brilliant pianists still to this day that I've ever met. And a, a, a wonderful choir director, very well respected in the Las Vegas Valley where I grew up. And, and he just kind of shepherded a bunch of kind of blue-collar kids from this suburb in Las Vegas into a world-class high school choir program. And, you know, we won all kinds of awards. And he introduced me to, to Berkeley College of Music. He had someone, I'm, I'm assuming it was a, an alumni of Berkeley, come in and talk to the class. But really it was for me because I was the only one that knew I wanted to do this. Um, and, and he also arranged for this old Las Vegas strip musician named Buddy Hill who played with everybody. Buddy played with, with Frank Sinatra and the Rat Pack and, you know, this, just this grizzled old veteran who was, who was just a brilliant pianist and, and, but, but kind of a loving in his own right, you know, mentor and, and, and piano teacher. He let me play pop songs. He let me play, I remember there's a song called Hill Street Blues. There's a popular television show called Hill Street Blues that like, and, and, and journey songs, you know, and, and, and he also tried to show me chord voicings. And, and if it weren't for those two teachers, I don't know, I, I, for, for a period after high school, I started working as a banker and I did that for many, many years. And, and that was really going to be my trajectory. But I always had that dream, that guy that spoke to us about Berkeley, like I always just wanted to go, and I thought I would at least apply and 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 try and get in. Well, actually, I, I assumed they would just refuse me, and so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll apply and um, I'll get rejected, and then I could just kind of go on with my life and put that dream aside. And lo and behold, even though I tested into very very low levels at Berkeley, they let me in on on the, on the strength of an interview, and I told them I would work harder than anyone else. I said, I might be the worst person at your school, but nobody will work harder. And, and, and I did, I, you know, I tried, I just, I just worked my behind off, worked my fingers to the bone and still left, you know, kind of on the scale of the great Berkeley musicians and alumni, you know, I, I didn't leave like this amazing prodigy, but I learned how to learn 
in those schools. And, and, and again, I had fantastic mentors and teachers along the way that were just caring and kind and, and, and rewarded hard work and, and tenacity. <laughs> yeah. They saw inside you and, and saw the potential and, and, and desired to bring it out. That's missing so often. In the process. Exactly. So there was, there, you know, particularly two teachers, one a guy named Pat Patterson and Jimmy Kachulis, who are really songwriting gurus in the, in the songwriting education community. And I was just at their office hours, like all the time. And in fact, Pat, we had a running joke. He would just say, get out, get out of my office. You do not need to be here. But I'm like, but I have a question. You know, I want, why, you know, why, what about this? You know, what about rhyme schemes? What about, tell me about line length? You know, <laughs> he's like, go away. So that that's part of what I want to share because you also tell a story in your lectures about how you heard a songwriting showcase or there's some special folks that visited Berkeley and you you know when people see you today in their clinics they see here's this guy who's arrived and accomplished all this stuff and he's an advisor and he's a teacher and he's a lecturer but they can't possibly see all of the years that led up to that and so to encourage people you know you you tell a lot of a lot of stories to students to encourage them and uplift them but there was a time when you felt solo i can't do this right oh my gosh so yeah when i got to berkeley you know even though i tested into they have a rating system where you're rated from one to nine on different areas of sight reading, improvisation, music theory. And I was literally ones and zeros across the board. But for whatever reason, I was also still kind of cocky. And I thought, well, I may not have these, the acumen, these educational academic acumen, but like, I am like God's gift to writing and, you know, and, 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 and I am so talented and my talent will overwhelm, you know, any obstacle. And and I get there, and here's all these 18 year old, 19 year olds. And I was actually, I was actually uh, in my mid 20s when I started at Berkeley. And these 18 year olds and these 17 year olds were blowing my mind. They were so talented, and they were, and, and not only they were academically <laughs> incredible, but but like this kind of God given like this, you know, that the it factor. And I'm like, wow, you, you know, you may not have that it factor. And it came to a head one night when I, when I went to see a senior recital for an artist named Gillian Welch, who's gone on to win multiple Grammys, right. With, you know, Alison Krauss and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And the Coen brothers. I mean, just all kinds, of, you know, Gillian's amazing. It was her senior recital in the Berkeley Performance Center. I went with my roommate, and, and, and to be honest, I wasn't really interested in the music at the time. I had a very narrow set of music I loved, and she's kind of a folk singer, acoustic. But she launched into her first song, and it was amazing. Like, like I knew for a fact that that is what quality songwriting is. Like that, like I, 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 I knew it, and it was a sudden realization of like, wow, you are not that good. You're, you're like, not only are you not that good, but you're not even you're not even remotely close. And for the first time, I really felt those ratings. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they are right. I really am zeros one, you know, like the, uh, like, like the Poe in the Kung Fu Panda where he, you know, he just gets his behind kicked. And then I went back to my apartment, my, my dorm room, and I just wept. I cried. I'm like, I, and, and I switched my major. I thought, well, there's no sense in following that dream. <laughs> and uh, and I, I became an arranger, arranging major, and I thought I'll just I, I'll I'll I will work for other people that are talented that are more talented than me. But through the encouragement of some other 
instructors. Um, I, I found my way back into songwriting and I realized that it's all about education and it's about learning how to do things. And I wasn't in competition with, with anybody else. And I could just start from the bottom and that's okay. And what I could do is what I could do better than anybody else on earth is just be my plain dull me and, and, and do, and do the best I, best I could. And I had a voice and that's all I could do. Yep. Totally. And, and, um, there's a quote I shared on the last podcast actually that I thought was so apropos. It says, uh, it's an anonymous quote that says a flower is not in competition with the flower next to it. It just blooms, you know, and I think that's kind of the essence of it. I paraphrase that. But so now you're this, you're this hotshot guy in my estimation anyway. And so I often read this, that you were a featured songwriter and instructor for the Taylor Swift Education Center. So what does that mean? So Taylor Swift, four or five, no, more than that, maybe, maybe seven, eight years ago, wrote a big, fat, gigantic check to the Country Music Hall of Fame to create an expansion uh, in an education facility. And they, and at the time I was teaching, or I still am, but I was, I was teaching for Berkeley and um, I had been doing volunteer work and developing on a very, very small level, these, so, the songwriting curriculum to teach kids how to write music. And, 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 and I, I felt very qualified to do that again, because I, my experience at Berkeley was I came from nothing. Like I, I, I honestly started at ground zero and I was having some success and, and I could share like, here is my journey. Here's what helped me become successful and here are the techniques. And so I, I was, I was brought on board with some of the museum staff, their, their education division. And we revamped this kind of a 30 year old program to teach kids how to write music and very, very practical. My calling card for education is specifically songwriting is to give very pragmatic, practical advice. There are a lot of songwriting events and concerts and workshops and camps that are really primarily motivational speaking events where you, where you go get riled up and jazzed up to write, but they don't actually give, you leave hungry. You feel great, but you don't have any tools. And so, so my goal is like tools, 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 and let the tools speak for themselves. I'm very fortunate that this program we developed at the Country Music Hall of Fame won this gigantic award for like the museum education program. We beat out the Guggenheim and the Smithsonian Institute for our education program. It was just really well re received. And now, now they have, uh, I think it's 250,000, something like that. And thousands of songs are being written by kids all over the country. And, and so it's just, it's just a huge, it's a huge win. It's really, really wonderful. And I'm, and I'm actually in Interlock in Michigan um, at, the, at the oldest art school in the country for uh, like high school kids teaching a songwriting program here. And, and it, it's just so fun to see how energized and, and lovely and wonderful kids are. They're, they're, they're super hungry. You know, you've you because you've said so much in, in, in these questions, you've led to all these different questions I'd written out to ask <laughs> you, uh, and I don't know what order to ask them in now. But what tools and skills are most helpful for students, you know, to learn, and or what what should they be bringing in to into their songs? What what do you recommend to budding students? The first thing I I always speak about is staying in touch with the music you love. Sometimes when you're a new writer. And, and a new writer can be an adult, not necessarily a, a, a youth. 
you know, someone in their teens, you know, I work with a lot of people that are well into their professional careers and some retired and they get caught up in like, oh, I have to create something brand new in the world and it has to be painful. I have to shed blood in order to get this song. And, and, and if I don't do any of those things, it's not that good of a song. When really we get a list of their top 10 or top 20 songs and we go through these those songs and analyze them and say, here's what you like about music. This is what you need to write. You know, here is, here is a chorus that, you know, you have a tendency out of these 20 songs to like minor keys or, you, you know, you like an AABB rhyme scheme. You know, you, you, can, you can really see a personality of a person through their favorite songs because we're each made up of a unique top 10 or top 20 list of, of, of songs. And, 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 and people have more experience than they realize because they've been listening to music their entire lives. You know, so they're, they're not starting from zero. So, so paying attention to what they already love is, is very, very helpful. And then using that to, to, to complement their, their, own, their own songs. So their own personality emerges as you analyze the music that they listen to. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. That, that is absolutely correct. So then refining that a little bit, how do you bring them into their best? How do you bring out the best in a songwriter? I, I challenge them to be, to be concise. I talk a lot about providing context for their listeners. For instance, some people, they will write a song that is very, very meaningful to themselves because they have been through the experience. They have been through the trial. They have been through the, you know, the loss of love or, or you know, broken up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or they have fallen in love, but they will write words that don't have anything to do with, with that experience. And so the words are meaningful to them. So trying to translate their experience into words to give the listener context for what they should be feeling. So, so for instance, if, if I said, you know, like I had a really great day today, like on some level you understand like, oh, that's, you know, that's like, congratulations, Shane. I'm so glad your day was happy. But, you know, if I said, man, I won the lottery. I had a good day today. Like that gives context. Or I was almost in a car wreck and I was sideswiped. My car flipped over three times, almost landed into oncoming traffic. And I saw my life pass before my eyes and I, I made it without a scratch. I had a good day. Like that, that, that's two different types of good days. And so training people to understand that, that it's the context that, that gives their, their writing meaning. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so now you're also, and this is the piano whisperer after all, you're also a, a beautiful pianist. So how does the piano in your own personal journey, how does that work its way into who you've become? Oh, I love the piano so much. You know, that, that was my, uh, and to be honest, when I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to play guitar and, uh, because of mean Mrs. Dean, you know, I quit music for a long time, piano lessons. And I said, I asked my parents, you know, can I play guitar? But they always, they said, well, since you didn't, you didn't stay with your piano lessons, we're not gonna let you take guitar lessons, which, which is, you know, I'll give my parents a little, little credit, but I needed an outlet for the music that I wanted to write. And so I started just kind of putzing around on, on the piano and learning chords. And I'm not a flashy player by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you would not hire me for a session to be like a brilliant soloist. But what I, what I do bring is I, I love the different colors of, 
chords. I love using tensions in chords. And, and I, I feel like I use tensions in very unique, uh, unique to me. And I almost think of my, and actually because of my arranging background at Berkeley when I quit songwriting, I, I tend to think of my, my piano arranging, my piano arrangements more like horn arrangements and how can I get color from very, very few notes and elevate the piece of music with, with really wonderful textured chord, pro, not, not just chord progressions, but just chords. You know, you can have a simple chord progression, but use, uh, again, tensions, you know, add, add a nine or add a, an 11 in a minor chord or, and, and, and get rid of the five, you know, the, the fifth of the chord. Yeah, color it, change the emotions. And when you're writing, do you lead with the piano? Do you lead with the voice? Do you lead with the lyrics? Do you lead with all of the above, depending on the situation? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of it kind of depends. I refer to it as fishing. It's fun to noodle around on the on the piano, but I always tend to become inspired in like the most inconvenient moments of my life. You know, like I'll be in a doctor's office and they're like, "Mr. Adams, can you come back?" And I'm like, "Oh, I, I just had this idea," you know, and <laughs> or or driving somewhere and, you know, and, and, and I have nothing to write. And, and so my, my inspiration comes in like weird times. So I have to, I have to facilitate that with finding time daily to write and, and having a, you know, weekly time to write. And then that usually means sitting down with the piano and, um, and, and I start sketching out ideas lyrically. Now I, I think my writing has changed in where I have a tendency to lead with the lyrics a little more than I, than I, than I used to. And then I try and color the lyrics with my piano arrangements and, you know, and how can I create some kind of synergy and magnification of the lyrics through what I say in the piano? Because, because the piano for me is, is my facial expression. I mean, I could say something like, I love you, Ben Klinger, like, like that. Or, or I could say, yeah, yeah, I love you, Ben Klinger, you know, and it's sarcastic or, I love you, but you know, like I, I could say the same words and, change my inflection, change my tone of voice, and it changes the meaning of the piece. And, and so to, to me, the piano arrangement is that, that facial expression is that, is that, you know, combined with melody and, and, and all those, all those kind of things. Sure. It's definitely colorful. I always felt like with the piano, I always felt that with the piano, I could say anything I wanted to say and I would never offend anybody because no one could hold any words against me. You know what I mean? Like I, I could express anger. I could express sadness. I could express all these different things. And tensions are kind of at the heart of it in many respects. So that brings me to another thing. You have this quote on your website says, great songs are the heart of an artist. Killer production is the soul. So can you elaborate on that? Absolutely. So the other thing I really push all of my students, you know, my private clients and, and people I teach at Berkeley or the Hall of Fame or whatever, for me, it's not enough just to write the song. You need to share your song with the world in some capacity. And that means recording your song in some capacity. You know, even if it's on your iPhone or up to a recording studio, that having a clean, clear, wonderful or, and, and I say clean and clear, you know, it could be any style. It could be a, you know, distorted punk song like, or, you know, or heavy metal. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but, but you should take the time to try and record that and release it out into the world. And it's that sharing your song. It's that community aspect of your song that gives a song a, its soul. If you're keeping it to yourself or, you know, or, or playing it for your family or, you know, a, a few of your friends, you know, that's nice. But, but I believe songs need to breathe out and be free range out into the world. And, and it's, and it's 
it's what gives a song a soul. So, so I always encourage every single one of my students at some point you will record some of your songs or, or a, or a song. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth just to get them to record one song. But, but I, but I encourage you. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, somebody who falls in that department, right? Yeah. So what projects are you currently working on that are exciting to you? So I'm producing a couple artists that I'm, I'm really, really happy with. One is a, a blues singer out in Ohio named uh, Jim Connor. We've been working together for, for several years. I love him. He's kind of a grizzled old guy and has a lot to say. And he says it in a very unique kind of humorous sometimes, but, but, but also very serious other times. So we, we just finished his, I produced his latest video for, for the, for the record. Uh, there's a couple artists up in Canada I'm working with, and also I'm, I'm helping people do uh, their artist websites. I've had a lot of su- success helping people create websites that, that get them noticed so that they can do their YouTube videos and, and, and start having more of a footprint on the internet. And, yeah, your website is beautiful. For the record, we should say what it is. So it's artistaccelerator.com. Do I have that correct? That is the A-C-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R, artistaccelerator.com. Yes, sir. It's a great website, and you have a lot of information on there, a lot of motivational stuff, but a lot of good videos on there. So I would invite people to go check that out. My last question here is, what would you say is your parting encouragement to, to students or a lot of students out there who don't necessarily feel like they're connecting with their teacher or maybe they do connect with their teacher, but there some other stuff they want to express too. What would you say to those that love music, but maybe not feeling like traditional piano lessons are working for them? Well, I, I would say uh, first thing, actually I had a, I had a conversation with a, with a young student today about not being in competition with anybody else. Uh, there was a, a, a fellow student who was just kind of bragging about, oh, I'm such a good singer. And somebody told me that I was the best in the school. And, 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 and it was really disheartening. She thought like, why would someone do that? You know, what am I a chopped liver? And I feel like I, me personally, I'm a, I'm a good example of starting from the, from the bottom and just following the dream and just, again, not being in competition and going at my own pace and being willing to make mistakes and be terrible but make spectacular, terrible mistakes. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in finding a loving, nurturing teacher. And, and if you have a teacher that, that is not providing a, an environment that, that is helping you grow, I say find a different teacher. You know, there's, uh, there's a lot of material out there, people out there online now. You know, uh, uh, for instance, most of my students, uh, my songwriting students are all over the world. You know, I meet with them on the internet through that. And it's fun. It's, it's, and it's fun to see them grow and rise to the occasion. So, so I, my advice is just don't give up and, and truly follow your dream and, and, and put in the work and go at your own pace. Yeah. And even if you don't end up necessarily achieving some conventional level of success, I can tell you chipping away at it over the years and doing it because you love it results in an intensely satisfying <laughs> release by being able to play the piano or by being able to write. I love what you said about sharing it though. And I think I've always personally, and this isn't about me, but fallen short in that area. So that was an admonishment to me as well. Well, I am so incredibly thankful that we could find this time today to chat. 
it's always so great to talk to you. I always feel uplifted and encouraged. And I want to thank all the listeners also for tuning in to Piano Whisperer. Again, our website is pianowhisperer.org. And we are here with Shane Adams. If you want more information on him, again, please visit his website at artistaccelerator.com. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Thanks so much, Ben. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. My great pleasure, Shane. Talk to you soon. If you would like more information about Shane's best-selling book, The Singer-Songwriter's Guide to Recording in the Home Studio, or information about his recording, even the score, you can find it on Amazon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you've been inspired to go deeper in your piano journey. To learn more about our podcast, please visit pianowhisper.org. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast.